A while back, I, I preached a series of sermons based on the gospel of Jesus Christ a couple of weeks ago, I believe. And one of the things that I mentioned is that we as Christians, we need to truly be acquainted with the content of the gospel. We need to know what the gospel of Jesus Christ truly is. Because you see, in our society, we have so many different ideologies and and philosophies and and we're going to be attacked in terms of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is and you know there are full, full, uh, there are false teachings out there and false gospels and we need to know as believers we need to know truly what the gospel of Jesus truly is you see there are there are churches that no longer preach Jesus anymore and we must not fail into the same error we must know Jesus and make him known to our generation. Now, there are also people in our society and people in church that they perhaps they have a limited uh, per, uh, knowledge of Jesus. They have a lim- limited per, uh, pers- perspective on Jesus. You see, there are still people that see Jesus as a great teacher. I mean, he was a great teacher, don't get me wrong, but that's all people see that Jesus is a great teacher. Uh, just like, for, for instance, Scientologists. They believe that Jesus was somebody who taught us how to be spiritually advanced. That's all they believe about Jesus. You know, that's that religion called Scientologists. Now, you have people that, like, like uh, Islam, they believe that Jesus was just a prophet, like Mohammed. Nothing else. He wasn't the son of God. He wasn't God. He was just a prophet. So, you see, a lot of people, they have a limited perspective or a limited knowledge of Jesus. Uh, there, there are still people who do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, I, I believe if we truly know, we truly want to know who Jesus is, we need to spend some time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, and John. Any of those that you read, you're going to have a perspective, their perspective on Jesus. And I guarantee you, you're going to come out knowing more about who Jesus truly is. See, the four Gospels that we have, four books in the Bible known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of your New Testament. And there can be historical accounts. You see, in, in Greco-Roman time, you, you, Gospels will have the idea of a biography. You know, people, when they wrote a Gospel, it's a biography of a hero. So people will write about this particular hero. And everything that they wrote was about him. So when you think about what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are doing, they're letting people know about their hero. In this case, it's Jesus. They're, they're talking about Jesus from different angles and perspectives. For instance, Matthew wrote about Jesus' birth and also Luke. Mark and John don't talk about his birth. Now, John is the only, the only time you hear about a Samaritan woman. That's only in the Gospel of John. For whatever reason, John wanted his audience to understand about the Samaritans. And, you know, you never hear about the Samaritan woman in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's John. The woman caught in adultery. John is the one who highlights that particular incident. So they talk about the life of Jesus, certain scenarios, and certain uh, things that he did and he taught. Now, John even says that... He, that he only selected certain miracles. He said at the end of the, of the gospel, Jesus did many miraculous signs which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And by believing in him, you may have life in his name. John chapter 20, 20 verse 21 following. So he tells people why he included certain miracles, not all of them. Now, one of the things that you see about the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all agree that Jesus taught. 
They all agree that he did miracles. They all agree that he was crucified, that he was buried, and that he resurrected on the third day. So they all have that story from different angles and perspectives. But this morning, I want to I wanna start a journey. Uh, and and my, my purpose, my goal is that I make you hungry to go and dive in one of those Gospels. Because, you know, I'm, I'm going to just highlight certain things from the Gospel of Mark. I haven't preached a lot about Mark. And, you know, and so I realized, you know what? I, I love it because the first line in the Gospel of Mark, it, we're going to be talking about that today. He highlights this is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Like now, you know, you know, every time somebody writes a book, they have a purpose in writing. You know, nobody's like really bored. Oh, you know, like, maybe I should just write up. No, no. You have, a, you have an intention in your heart when you write. And all the writers in the Bible, they have a plan and purpose. Now, we have a book in the Bible called the uh, Gospel According to Mark. That's why the Matthew, so the Gospel According to Matthew, the Gospel According to Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel. They're, they're telling people the Gospel. Now, who was Mark? You know, it's interesting. Mark was not a, he wasn't, he wasn't an apostle. Mark was a disciple of Simon Peter. Mark was also an associate of Paul. He lived in Jerusalem. His mom's name was Mary. You can see it in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. There's, that's where, uh, when Peter was arrested, he, he, and the Lord delivered him. He goes to somebody's house. He goes to the house of Mary, the mother of Mark. When, when, you know, and, and then when the church was persecuted. So Mark lived in Jerusalem with his mom, Mary. You never hear about his, uh, his dad. So this Mark we're talking about, his name was really John. So you and I can say John Mark. John Mark, you know. Luke James. There's names over there that, you know, kind of like put Simon Peter. You know, Cephas is Peter. Sometimes in the Bible, Simon Peter. So this Mark, the Gospel of Mark... So a lot of scholars believe that the Gospel of Mark should have, been, should have been called Memoirs of Peter. Because everything that Mark is telling you, he got it from Peter. So, so in other words, when you read Mark, it might not be chronological about the, 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 the miracles of Jesus. Because it was, Mark would not say, and the next day. So he might say something like, on one occasion Jesus was doing this. Because he's narrating what Peter told him. So isn't that amazing? You're a disciple of Peter, and you're also an associate of Paul. Mark, was the, Mark accompanied Paul the first time he went on a missionary trip with Barnabas. Chapter 13 in the book of Acts. Paul and Barnabas were members of the church in Antioch, and Mark was there. So Paul and Barnabas, led by the Spirit, they're going to be planting churches. And who accompanied them? Mark, the same writer that we're going to be talking about today. And so he accompanied, accompanied them for a while, and later on he returned home. A lot of times scholars say because maybe he got homesick or whatever, because they were traveling far away from Jerusalem. But this is the mark, Acts 15, uh, 13, 5, an associate of Paul. And when Paul writes later, he said, Mark. And to Timothy, he said, bring Mark. Mark. So that is, we're talking about the Gospel of Mark. So uh, my goal today through this sermon, is that you'll be more acquainted with what Mark talks about in, in, in the Bible. So he wrote, by the, by the way, a lot of people believe that this is the first, like if you were to write the books in chronology, this is the first of the gospel. Mark should be the first one. Like the, the day is, is earlier than Matthew, Luke, and John. So this is the Mark. Now go to Mark chapter 1. So you see the first sentence when he started writing. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. 
He said, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I love it. You can memorize that. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark already telling you, what I'm going to write to you about is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel. We talked about the word gospel means good news. So all the translation would say, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, it's interesting throughout the, throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, Jesus is known as the Son of God. You also hear the, the phrase, the Son of Man. It's talking, talking about the same person. But this idea of the Son of God, Mark is, Mark is telling us that he's going to portray Jesus as the Son of God throughout the Gospel. Mark has 16 chapters. So it's, it's not a hard book to read. And so the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he says... Now, it's interesting because look at Mark verse, uh, verse 11. God the Father said that Jesus was his son. You see, when Jesus was baptized, this, the evidence of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, because there was a voice that says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So the, the Father says that Jesus is his son. Now, in Mark, uh, Matthew 3, 17, Matthew also agrees with Mark that when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice that says, this is my beloved son. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Hmm. Interesting, because when, before Jesus was born, there was an angel whose name was Gabriel. He told Mary, you know, remember when he came, you're going you're gonna to have a baby and his name is going to be Yeshua, Jesus. He will be great. And then he says, and his father, God, will give him the throne of David. So he will be called the son of the most high. Luke chapter 1, 32. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign in the house of David forever. You know, son of the most high. I mean, Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus in the flesh, he's going to be known as the son of God. Interesting, one of his disciples Confess Jesus as the Son of God. Remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? They were saying, well, some say that you are a prophet like Elijah or Jeremiah uh, or, or just like John the Baptist. And then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. The what? The Son of the living God. So Mark says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's already telling people he's the Son of God. Matthew 16, 16, that's what Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, John, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, his only begotten Son. So referring to Jesus, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus is known as the Son of God. You see, what Jesus, as the Son of Man, refers to his humanity, Jesus is also known as the Son of Man. And sometimes he uses that interchangeably, like the Son of Man. Was, you know, when we talk about Jesus as the Son of Man, catch this, it's referring to his humanity, that he was a man. When we talk about Jesus as the Son of God, it's referring to his divinity. It's referring to his deity. Because what does that mean that Jesus is the Son of God? You know, sometimes, oh, you know, he wasn't God, he's just the Son of God. That's what a lot of times people get wrong. When we talk about Jesus as the Son of God, we say that Jesus has the same nature as God. His divine nature. Jesus, the Son of God, 
It's the same as saying that God revealed himself in Jesus, that Jesus is God in the flesh. And that, that goes with what the Bible talks about, John 1.1. John does not talk about the birth of Jesus. He started talking about Jesus, that he existed before time. He says, in the beginning was the word. The Greek called that word logos, which for the Greeks, logos was what made the universe. So John says in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 1, 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen the glory of the one who came from the father, full of grace and peace. Jesus is God in the flesh. It's what the angel says, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when we talk about Jesus being the Son of God, we're really saying God in the flesh, God in human form. Nobody saw God, like, but to see Jesus is the same as seeing God. To be the Son of God is to be of the same nature as God. It's interesting, Jesus had a debate with the religious leaders in Matthew 26. And the high priest, finally, he had it with Jesus. And he says, for the love of God, he said, tell us plainly if you are the son of God. And Jesus said, you just said it. <laughs> he says, I am. And then he said, we don't need any more witnesses. Blasphemy. They didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God. And why? Because why are they so mad at Jesus? If he say, I mean, anybody could say, I'm the son of God. Jesus is actually claiming divinity right here. Jesus is saying, I'm God in the flesh. They knew God became man, Jesus, because Jesus is God himself in the flesh. When we say that he's the son of God, that's what we're talking about. Now, Paul also agrees with that statement. And I love his imagery because Paul says, catch this in Colossians 1.15, that Jesus... He is the image of the invisible God. You know what an image is? You got an image in your dollar bill of George Washington. Many, we didn't get to meet him. But we know what he looked like because we see a picture of him, the image of that. So Paul says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In other words, you cannot see the invisible God. But when you see Jesus, you're seeing God. Man, that's deep. The image of the invisible God. For by him all things were created, visible and invisible, and then in verse 19, he says that God was pleased to have all his fullness in Jesus. Because when we say that Jesus is the Son of God, we're saying that he is God in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. Because, I mean, think, when we, you think about Jesus, oh, he had a son. That means that there's a God mother somewhere there, like some people will have you believe. No, it's a title talking about that God himself became a man. And we know that the man's name is Jesus. So when the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, Mark is saying he's going to talk about Jesus, his divinity, his divinity, his deity, how God in the flesh, what he did when he came. You see, in John, at one time, the disciples are talking with Jesus and, and they had Philip, Philip asked Jesus, show us the father. And we're not going to ask you any more questions. Remember that? That's in John 14. Jesus said, all this time I've been with you, Philip, and you still don't know me. If you seen me, you have seen who? The Father. You know, that's what, that's what Christians call the Trinity. You know, God is, God is manifested. God is revealing three personalities. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But they all have one essence. 
The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. And they are not the Holy Spirit. They have different personalities, different role, but they have one essence. That's not hard to understand, my friends, because you have something called water, H2O, and it has three personalities, solid, liquid, and gas. Ice is not vapor, and liquid is not solid. But, but when you look at the essence, H2O. So God is the essence, you know, the essence, and it's, and, and it's portrayed in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's why the same, when you saw Jesus, you see in God himself. The same essence, the same DNA. That's what Paul says, is the Father was pleased to have all his fullness, not just half, no, no, all the fullness dwell in him. So, and, and through him to reconcile all things. The author of Hebrews portrayed Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus. When we talk about Jesus is the Son of Man, we're talking about the Messiah, the, Jesus the Man. When we talk about Jesus, the Son of God, we're talking about his divinity, Jesus the God, because he was God in the flesh. Not a God, God, the Yahweh we talk about in the Bible. Now, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, according to the Gospel of Mark, the Son of God. What did the Son of God do when He came? Now, go with me, verse 14 through 20. This is right after Jesus is baptized. Mark talks about John the Baptist came to prepare the way, announcing, and he said this, Somebody greater than I is coming. I'm not even worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Talking about Jesus. You know, John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And John can testify because he heard the voice when, when, when God said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. There you have the three. One of those instances, you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all together. You know. And then Jesus later on commanded people, go baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, one essence, three different persons or personalities. So look at verse 14 in the Gospel of Mark. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further or farther, he saw James, and the son of Zebedee, and, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the, with the higher servants and followed him. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, and then what did he do when he came? So now you see Mark is telling us what, what, some of the things that Jesus did. One of the things that he did, he came to preach. Matthew also agrees with that. Matthew 3, 3.17 says that Jesus' first sermon ever recorded was this one. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand or is near. So talking about the kingdom of God. Now you know that there were some kind of expectations about the kingdom. The Jewish people were waiting for a liberator. They were waiting for, for a, a Messiah who will come and, and establish the kingdom. Because that promise was made to David that 
from your descendants, there will somebody going to sit on your throne whose reign will never end. So there was this idea of kingdom expectation. But now John the Baptist, you know, one time they asked him, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I'm not. Now Jesus said, hey, repent. Repentance means change your ways, change your purpose, change your mind. Because the kingdom of God is here. You see, Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is calling people always to repent. Any gospel that's not telling you to repent, is no gospel at all. The gospel of Jesus said, I mean... That he sent the disciples to preach the same message. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what Matthew 3.17 says. And look at what Mark here says. That he went. Proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The time is here. The hour is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the message. Believe the good news. That's what Jesus is telling people. You see, the message of the gospel hasn't changed. We're still calling people to do the same thing, to repent and believe the good news of the gospel. The good news of Jesus is always calling people to repentance. Repentance. Change the way you think. Change the way your purpose in life. Because now there's a better one. There's a better perspective. Change the way where you're going. It's almost like you do a 180. You were going this way, but you're just like, no, I'm not going to go back. Jesus said, hey, 180. Repent. Because why? Because he said the kingdom of God is at hand. So this kingdom of God, is, is, it might have to cause people to repent and believe. Because in other words, if you want to be part of the kingdom, this is going to be the prerequisite. It's going to be the condition by which you enter the kingdom. Repentance and You've got to believe the gospel. You've got to believe Jesus. Peter, Peter's first sermon, Acts 2. He told people, repent and be baptized, all of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And God will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is always, you know, it's always proclaimed through the gospel. So there are gospels that they never tell people, you need to repent. Why do we need to repent? Because we're sinners. Because we're going the, 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 wrong, we're going the wrong way. God is telling us, go this way. And we like our standard better. We don't want to go God's way. But we need to repent. We need to do a 180 and go back with God instead of going my way. Because, you know, we, we have this idea in our society. So my way is better. You know, and, and it's all about me. You know, also like, and it's like the Lord said, no, no, it's the kingdom of God is here. And it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about a king that is going to come. And you better be ready to see the face of that king. So change your ways and believe the gospel. You see, all this is part of God's kingdom agenda. To call people to repentance and to believe the good news. And that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. We're calling people to repentance to believe the gospel, to believe the good news. Repent, the kingdom of God is here. You need to enter this kingdom because at the end of the day, when that kingdom is established, there's going to be two choices. You're either going to be with the kingdom or you're going to be outside of it. And if I were you, I don't want to be outside of that kingdom. The Revelation 19 has a, a, a really dreadful picture of this king coming to establish his kingdom. And his robe is stained with blood of his enemies. Because it's almost like you don't want to be placed. You don't want to place yourself on the, on the, on the enemy side of, you know, of the equation. You want to be with kingdom people. All about Jesus' message was about the kingdom of God. Even in the Lord's Prayer, He taught us to do that. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So I think you can do a whole study about the kingdom of God that is here and not yet. 
We are part of the kingdom. That's what he says. When Jesus Christ began to walk the shores of the Galilean Sea, and he challenged people to repent and believe the gospel, he was already inaugurating the kingdom of God. Because if you look at, we're going to see that later on. The de- demonic people, people that were possessed by the devil, when they saw Jesus, they knew time is up. And they say, what do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth, son of God? We implore you, like, is it time yet? Because Jesus said, repent, because the kingdom of God is here. And look what he did later on. He called disciples. When, when Jesus saw Simon, Peter, and Andrew, he says, follow me. And what did they do? They followed Jesus. Jesus is calling people to repentance and to believe the gospel. He's calling people to become his disciples. For what? Because he's going he's gonna to train him. He's going to equip him so that they also be recruiters. So that they can go after other people. So that everyone be part of God's kingdom. Look at that verse again. Verse uh, 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and, and Andrew, his brother, and Simon... Uh, the brother Simon casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. A follower, a follower is a disciple or a student. So Jesus, you know, you always hear about the disciples of Jesus, the disciples. And the Greek had a word for that. They used to call it peripatia, which means a walking learner. A walking learner, because you always, I mean, they didn't have a school. You're just like, you go with the master, wherever the master goes. And, you know, sometimes Jesus would sit, you know, on a boulder at a rock. And then the disciples would gather. And then Jesus was on the boat. And they all gathered on the seashore. So, so followers of Jesus, disciples. So, follow me, he says. When Jesus said to people, follow me, he says, come after me. Be about my teaching. Be with me. So the, Matthew said that Jesus, uh, he called disciples so that he, they can be with him. And then he will send them out to preach. To preach one message. The same one. The kingdom of God is at hand. And people need to repent and believe the good news. Jesus, Jesus still calling people to follow him. Inviting them. Follow me. Which means learn from me. Be with me. Be molded by my teaching. That's one of the things you see in, in, the, in the book of Acts. When, when you hear the word Christian for the first time thrown out there. And you wonder what caused people to call the disciples of Jesus Christians. Acts 11.26 it says the disciples were given the name Christians for the first time. You know why? Because their lives were so centered in Christ. Their message was so Christ-centered. And people said they're Christian people. If you follow Herod, you were called Herodians. You know, because that's, that was your leader. That was your master. So you, you follow Christ. You were called Christian. The disciples were given the name Christians because all about their lives and message was about Christ. Their, their preaching was Christ-centered as well. So when Jesus said, follow me, he's inviting people to come after him, to be molded by him, to be taught by him, and to learn from him to the point that you are, you are equipped to teach other people. When you see what happens through the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus called the disciples, and, and, and they were with Jesus. They saw Jesus. They learned from Jesus. At the end, what did Jesus do? He left them do the job for themselves after three years. And Jesus said, hey, go make disciples. Like you've been trained. Go now. Tell people about the kingdom of God. Preach 
Preach this gospel to all creation, he says. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Go, preach now. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were fishermen. They were fishing there. And I was like, hey, since that was your profession, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that analogy. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. I'm going to teach you how to catch people for the kingdom of God. And guess what? That hasn't changed. We still got to learn to bring people, to recruit people to be part of the kingdom of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mark says, the son of God. Jesus, God in the flesh, came preaching and announcing the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. A kingdom that one day will be established. And guess what? That's one of the parts in the Bible that hasn't happened yet. Coming soon kind of thing. What is it that we're waiting for? The establishment of God's kingdom. When Jesus comes back as the king of kings and lord of lords, that hasn't happened. Now, I know there are people that will tell you that Jesus Christ is reigning already. I disagree with that. You know, because here's my challenge. I guarantee you, he's not even reigning in your heart as the supreme king. Because even in our hearts, we don't always listen to God, do we? So when people, when Jesus Christ reigns, when he be reigning, Paul says, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Philippians, that hasn't happened yet. So you see, we also in the expectancy of the kingdom of God to be established. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He taught us how to pray. Because one day, the, the will of God will be completely done on earth as it is in heaven. That hasn't happened. You know, so, sometimes our wills get in the way of God's will, doesn't it? Otherwise, we would not even sin. And we all sinners. We, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. But when Jesus is the supreme king, all that will be over. It's game over. You know, when you're playing the, the things like, it's not even a reset. It's like, game over. That's it. The king is going to start ruling. It will not be a, a democracy. It will be a monarchy. One king. And all of us, we're part of that kingdom. I mean, you hear the Bible promises, just as I'm reigning, you will reign with me. Guess what? God's people, you are part of the kingdom of God. You know, even, even as we speak, you are part of His kingdom. Our job right now is, is the recruiting part. We've got to recruit people so that they too be part of the kingdom. Because you don't want to see the face of the king. You don't want to be an enemy of the king when he comes. And that's what you see in Revelation 19. You know, Jesus, you know, that part of the, in the Bible that you hear about the judgment of God, the wrath of God being poured out on people that rejected Him because they did not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, but all those who believe, they're now kingdom subjects. They're now kingdom people. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, that we are Christ's ambassadors. As if God is telling, making his appeal through us. So our job is to recruit people so that they too be part of the kingdom of God that one day will be established. When? We don't know the time and the hour when Jesus comes back and says, it's time now to establish that kingdom. And then we'll be with him forever and ever. Wow, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then the will of God completely done on earth. That's how you know that Jesus is in heaven interceding for us, but he's not reigning yet. Just like uh, Mary told, uh, the angel told Mary, and he will reign in the house of Jacob forever. That's another thing that I tell people, challenging. So was the house of Jacob just uh, an illustration? Or did Jacob really have, did David really have a kingdom? Oh, it's just, is, is, is that just a figure of speech? Oh, you know, no, no, there was a kingdom 
in the kingdom of Israel. You know, the disciples understood that and they asked Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? When that happens, that will also be the time when Jesus Christ will be Jews and Gentiles, people from all face of the earth, all ethnicities, all together, singing to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation has a picture of that. John saw everyone singing a new song to the Lamb, to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be glory and honor and power forever and ever. The beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus, God in the flesh, came preaching, announcing to people that they needed to change their way, to repent and, and believe the gospel. And we have the same task today, church. Our job is to announce to people that they need Jesus, they need to repent, they need to believe in Jesus. God so loved the world that He gave so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, will have eternal life. Jesus is on the business of recruiting disciples, making disciples. Our job is to make disciples, that people become followers of Jesus, that they say, I want to I wanna mold my life, I want to dedicate my life to following Jesus, my pattern, that He is my priority, that everything I do should be reflected in the master that I claim to follow. That everything about me should be Jesus. You know, we talked about how you serve like Jesus, how you love people like Jesus, because if He's my master, I got to... I got to be molded. I got to be patterned by how he operates. Otherwise, I should. Jesus said it one time. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not say what I do? Or do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I say to you? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? But I say to you, I never knew you. So our job is that people get to know Jesus. This is why I decided to do this series, Knowing Jesus through the Gospels, and in this case, we're going to get to know Jesus better through the Gospel of Mark. He already introduced us, He already introduced Jesus to us as the Son of God, God in the flesh. And what did He do? He preached. What message? That the kingdom of God is, is near. That people needed to repent, change their ways. They needed to believe the Gospel. And then He called people to be His followers, disciples, as a master. And He said, disciples, mean, if you're going to follow me, you will be patterned by my teaching that what I say... If I'm your master, you obey. He said it one time in John. If you love me, you will obey my command. There are so many people in our society that they're still not part of God's kingdom. They probably think they are. Just like a lot of times people say, well, everybody's a son of God, right? Not biblically speaking. Everyone is a creature of God. But for you to be a son of God, for you to be a child of God, the Bible says that you need to believe in Jesus. John 1, 11. He came to his own people, but his own people rejected him. Yet to those who believe, to those who believe in his name, he gave him the right to be made sons of God, daughters of God. That's the only way that you and I can be made children of God, adopted into the family of God. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to tell people that. See, everyone wants to go to heaven when they die. But they don't want to believe in Jesus. And to me, I think that's one of the most... Uh, Contradictory statements because heaven is, that's the dwelling of God. And only people that He wants, just because you're good, you're not going to go there. You're going to go there because you believe in Jesus. I always tell people, there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. All because they rejected you. They did a lot of great things in here. Matthew 7.21, there's a text for that. Matthew 7.21, so many people that they serve God and they did so many things. But they missed the most important things, which is get to know Jesus. Get to know Him as the personal Savior. Because at the end of the day, Jesus said to them, I don't even know you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Ouch. 
Man, I think that's the scariest verse in the Bible. Matthew 7, 21. Because that's when people say, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Can you imagine preachers that did not make it to heaven? I know a whole bunch of preachers that might not make it to heaven. Because they're not even preaching Jesus anymore. You know, and if we're going to be preachers, it should be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be about Him. But you're preaching about something else. There were people, Jesus said, many would say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophesy or proclaim in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we even do miracles in your name? There are people that claim to do miracles, and, and sometimes our society will look at them and say, oh, wow, they got to be the power of God displayed right there. And sometimes we're fooled by that. We're deceived. And Jesus said to them, who are you? <laughs> I never knew you. You see, that's the key right there, because, you know, when you look through the Bible, when God says, I know them and they know me, he said, my sheep know me and I know them. Jesus is saying that those people were not even his sheep. You know, when I read that the first time, I said, that's scary to me. What if I'm not? I've been in the church all my life, but what if I don't even make it? Because maybe you were busy doing something else, but you never gave your life to Jesus. Because, the, you know, it's, it's good to do things, but the most important thing is, I just, hear me out. I don't want you to miss that. Develop a relationship with Jesus. When Jesus said to them, I don't know you. He said, we, we're not even, we don't have a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus that will get you and I to heaven. That will declare you righteous. That will make you a, a child of the King, a child of God. Sons and daughters of Jesus. So the message is still the same. You and I need to go and recruit people. Go into all the world. Preach the good news of the kingdom. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, Jesus said. Like I said, there are so many people that have not repented. that They have not believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now it's our job to continue announcing and preaching the good news of the kingdom. So that people will believe. And when they believe, they become part of that kingdom. They become part of, of, of that church. The one that God is going to come. Jesus is going to come to, to, to get to be with him forever. So that is our job. So Mark, the beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now we see what he began to do. Preaching. Jesus, the Son of God, preached a message of repentance so that people will believe and be part of the kingdom. He called people to become his disciples. Jesus is still calling people to be his disciples. Meaning, be my follower. That when I say that you're my follower, that you really operate by my teaching. You know, this teaching of Jesus, people want to distort it and change it. Make it more palatable for them. They say, you're my followers. You do what I'm telling you because you call me master and Lord. Then you are to live according to what the Lord is telling, telling you. Remember last week I said how many of the disciples of Jesus, they, they call themselves a slave of Jesus Christ. Paul, James, a slave of Jesus Christ. Because what they're saying with that statement is, he's my Lord and I'm a servant. And I'm going to do exactly what he's telling me to do. Jesus is calling you and I. Since we're already part of the kingdom, your job, my job, is to recruit other people that do not know even who Jesus is. So that they get to know him. We got to introduce them to Jesus. That's what people call evangelism. It's our job to tell them so they too be part of God's kingdom. So that when that's established, they can go with him forever and ever. Would you pray with me?